You're listening to the Brandon Women's Bible Study Podcast, led by Leslie Ann Jones. Hey y'all, this is Leslie Ann. We're back for another round of Bible study here in Brandon, Mississippi. This time, we're studying the book of 1 Peter, using Jen Wilkins' workbook published by Lifeway as a guide. During our meeting this week, we covered the format of the study and gave a basic introduction to 1 Peter. This lesson corresponds with the material found on pages 4 to 15 of the Learner Workbook. For more information on our Bible studies, visit leslieannjones.com. I am, first of all, so glad that you're here. Leading these Bible studies is always such a blessing for me because it shows me that there are women out there who are hungry for the Word and who want to know the Lord and to know what He has to say for us. And it It is seriously the highlights of my year. Now, I wish I could teach them year-round, but I'm just not. I can't. I can't do it. Um, So what we try to do is one in the fall and one in the spring. We just wrapped up studying 1 Samuel. Last year, we started it in the fall, and we finished it in the spring. And so I thought that we would start again this time with something a little bit smaller. So for those of you who are in 1 Samuel, um, you can say a little hallelujah, because we're not going to be reading, you know, and trying to cover four chapters in one night. So this should be a change of pace. I think most of our homework is on like 12 verses at a time. It's going to be amazing. We can all all breathe. But before we dive into all of that, um, I thought it would be good to give you a little bit of background on me so you know where I'm coming from and why I'm doing this, how I ended up here. Some of you have heard it before, so just bear with me. Give me me a few minutes, and um, then we'll get to the new stuff for you. But Anyway, I am Leslie Ann, like I said, and I grew up in one of those families that was always at church. Every time the doors were open, we were here. I sang in the children's choir. I did Bible drill. We did all the Sunday school things. Um, When I was in high school, I was very involved in the youth group. But when I was in college, I found myself sitting in an elective class at Mississippi State in Old Testament, hearing things that I had never heard before. And I realized just how much about the Bible I had not been taught, just how much I didn't know. So I could tell you all the stories. I could recite Bible verses by heart. I could name all the books of the Bible for you. But when it came to putting together the big picture of Scripture, I couldn't do that. How it all tied together, who were the patriarchs, what is a covenant, the fact that Israel went into exile at some point, and what that had to do with me. I had zero clue. And so I was sitting there in that Old Testament class wondering why I never learned these things in church. And from that moment on, I just had a passion for not only learning the Word of God, but then teaching it, teaching God's Word to God's people, um, because it is our source of life, and there is so much there for us. And so I've been doing that ever since. After Mississippi State, I went to seminary. When I graduated, I wrote curriculum freelance for several years. And then I had babies and curriculum writing stopped because that's really hard to do with a baby demanding your attention all day long. And so I have not done much writing in recent years, but I have started teaching these classes. It's been about three years now, I think, since we did the first one. And I really enjoy doing it because it is the greatest gift to see you um, developing that same passion for God's Word and for getting into it. Um, So, here we are. 
If you've never done one of these studies with me before, then it may be a little different than other ladies' Bible studies that you have done in the past. This is not going to be a touchy-feely, kind of get in touch with your emotions, ladies' Bible study. We are going to become students of the Word together. And we're going to do that by studying 1 Peter verse by verse. Now, if you've never studied the Bible in that way before, it can be a little intimidating, and I get it. But one of the goals of this study is not just that you would know what First Peter says, although I do hope that by the end of it you do, but that you would develop skills and tools for studying the Bible on your own so that any time you open the Bible, you'll be able to apply these principles to what you're reading in your own study time and be able to grow from it in that way. So that's what we're doing. We're using Jen Wilkins' workbook on First Peter to do this. Jen Wilkin is one of the best Bible teachers for women right now. She is fantastic. If you look at your book, it says that this is a video-based study, but we're not going to be watching the videos because I don't know about you, but when I watch a video, I tend to zone out a little bit. I figured it might be a little bit more engaging for us to do it this way. So we're not going to be watching the videos, but I will be listening to her lessons every week before coming to teach. We'll be getting some of that there. In the beginning, like you can read through all this on your own later on page four, it's going to explain the approach and the process to this kind of study and just to give you the reasoning behind it. The Bible in Deuteronomy 6 calls us to love the Lord with what? All your heart and soul and mind. There you have it. And strength, that too. As women, we are really good at the first two. We've got the heart and the soul part down. But when it comes to loving the Lord with our mind, we're maybe not as strong in that area. Jim Wilkin, who wrote our workbook, says this, The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. If you want to love God more fully, if you want to serve him wholeheartedly, then you have to start by knowing him more deeply. deeply. And we do that by studying his word. But in the church, which we have gotten so used to other people telling us what to think, that we don't often do it for ourselves. So think about it. Most of us were at church this morning and listened to a sermon on a passage that we had not thought about before we arrived. And so even if... You know, you did have time to think through it. You have not spent any time meditating on it or, you know, if there was a question you had about it, you hadn't worked through that. So your only option really in that moment is to take what the pastor is telling you as gospel truth, which let's hope that we're all sitting under good preaching. But the problem with that is that we haven't truly learned anything. How many of you can tell me what the sermon was about that you listened to this morning? Got a couple hands. What about last week's? A month ago? So that's why we're doing things differently in here. That's not a bad thing. You know, what happens from the pulpit on Sunday mornings is not bad. But the goal here is for you to love the Lord with your minds, not someone else's, but yours. And so that's what we're going to do. If you feel like you're not smart enough 
or capable enough or that it's going to be too hard for you to do this sort of thing, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. It just takes practice. Now, it may feel uncomfortable if you've never studied the Bible in this way before, but just like any skill, it takes practice. And I was really hoping Mary Bloodworth was going to be here because um, she signed up and she's an English teacher, so she can back me up on this. Most of the time, our problem when it comes to reading the Bible is not that we don't know how to study the Bible, but that we're just not good readers in general. So a lot of the skills that we're going to be working on here are just basic reading comprehension skills. Now, I brought this. Do any of you mamas recognize this? Any Anyone know what this kind of packet that comes home from school is? It's your reading log. This is my second grader's reading log. She brought it home for this weekend. She gets her notebook and her book sent home, and inside there are assignments for her to do. On Friday, she had to, well, her assignment, this was for all of last week, to read chapters one through five. She's seven. Summarize what you have read so far. Right? This is my seven-year-old. We haven't done this yet, by the way. <laughs> we haven't gotten this far. This is what she came home with on Friday. It says, finished by Tuesday. What was the most important event in the story, and why was it important? These are questions that my seven-year-old is answering, and if my seven-year-old can do it with the book that she sent home from school, then you can do it with the Word of God. So when you turn to the homework that you'll be doing each week, those are the kinds of questions that are there. It's going to ask you to read a section of scripture, and then it's going to go back and ask you questions about it to work through the process of, first of all, what does this say? Okay, that's comprehension. Just basic. What did you just read? How often have you sat down to read the Bible in your devotional time? And like you read the chapter that you were supposed to, and then at the end of it, you're like, I have no idea what that said. You have to go back and read it a couple of times to figure out what it said. So that's the first step is reading comprehension. And then the second step it's going to lead you through is interpretation. You're going to move from what does this say to what does this mean. And then after you have done that step, then we'll move to the step of application. Now that I know what it says, I know what it means. How does this change my life? And that's what we're going to be doing in this whole process. So... Because the passages in 1 Peter that we are studying are so short, you're going to be asked at the beginning of the week, every week in homework, to read through the whole book of 1 Peter. Now, your homework's not going to be on the whole entire book every week. It wants you to read through it so you can get an idea of what the whole letter is about. It's only five chapters. It's three and a half pages in my Bible. It shouldn't take you that long to read through it. And the hope is that at least by the end of these nine weeks, you will have read through the whole chapter, the whole, not the whole chapter, the whole book of First Peter nine times at least, that maybe you'll begin to understand what it is that Peter is saying. There are going to be things that you don't understand, and it's okay, y'all. I can think of at least one, maybe two passages in First Peter that are some of the hardest in the entire Bible. I went to a women's conference in Indianapolis. Gosh, it was three years ago now, and I listened to a scholar who writes commentaries and (laughs) textbooks for seminary students try to teach. It was one of the passages in 1 Peter that we're going to have so much fun with. And when I walked away from that, I thought, he doesn't know what it means either. Okay? So it's okay to not know what something means. 
But here's the part that you're probably not going to love. How many of you have a study Bible? Those of you who have done this before, are you allowed to use it? Why aren't you speaking up? (laughs) No. I am going to ask you, if you have a study Bible, not to use it while you are doing the homework. Why? Well, because if you run to somebody else for the answers to your questions or those things that are, you know, those tensions, you're never going to work through them on your own. How many of you, when you were in seventh grade or so, you got your pre-algebra book and it had the answers in the back to the odd questions? Did that change the way you did your homework? It changed me. Like, being able to, like, check the answer before I did the work gave me something to, like, it told me where I was supposed to land at the end of it. But the problem when we do that with the Bible is that it kind of short circuits our learning process. The footnotes in your Bible are not authoritative. They are not the Word of God. They're somebody else's opinion. And even though we trust and hope that it's an informed opinion that they are doing the best they can with the knowledge that they have, it is still an opinion. And you are going to be much better qualified to evaluate that opinion if you have done the hard work of working through it on your own first. So when you come week by week, we will, you know, you'll do your homework and then you'll come to class. We're going to have some group discussion questions probably break what this says probably break you up into two groups and let you answer those that are in your book for you at the end of each week and um, we'll work through that maybe 20 minutes or so and then we'll have teaching time I'll teach through the week's passage now what I'm doing up here is also commentary so you should also test everything that I say by the word of God as well because it's not authoritative it's my opinion on what this means Okay, and then after that, if you still have questions or you're still uncertain, then is the time to look to the commentaries and to seek outside help for your understanding. Because at least that way, you know, hey, I've worked on this and I still don't know what's going on, but you'll be much better prepared to evaluate them one way or the other. So if the study Bible is the only Bible you have, there's good no- news for you. The entire book of First Peter is printed in the back of your workbook. <laughs> so I can fix that problem. <laughs> it's there. It starts on page 130. And the good thing about this, like some people don't like to write in their Bibles. I get it. But this is a copy of the text that you can write all over. You can get out your colored pencils and pens. Who else likes those? Emily, raise your hand. Do it. Do it. <laughs> You can write all over this. You can take notes. You can put question marks, exclamation points, whatever you want to in the back of this, okay? So you're going to have plenty of room to do that. What I'll be using is similar. Um, I ordered this on Amazon a couple weeks ago. It is a, it's the ESV scripture journal for First Peter is what it's called. And it is also, it has the text over here and a blank page over here, $5.99. Not that you necessarily need to buy anything else, but if you wanted to, things like that are available. Because I know how tempting it is, like, if you have that study Bible in front of you, like, it's really hard not to look at the footnotes. Like, really. You know, it's not the end of the world if you decide to look at them. But I would love for you to work through it on your own before you 
before you do that. The homework's going to lead you through all that and through those steps, and then we'll come back together, we'll talk about it, and then you'll go back home and do it all over again the next week. Sound fun? Okay. Now, with all of that said, let's talk about First Peter for a little while. Does anybody have any questions about the format before we go on? You got this. The homework is broken down into five days. Now, you don't have to do it that way. Whether you do it all at one time or a little bit at the time is up to you, but I would probably recommend breaking it out over the week. Um, but, you know, life happens. I get it. Just do your best. So on page 14 of your workbooks, we're going to go through these questions to give you a little bit of an introduction to First Peter. And then you'll be done with week one. That was easy, wasn't it? Just check that off the list. Okay, so let's start with an easy question to begin with. Who wrote First Peter? Anyone? Peter. Peter! Yay! Look how much you know already. You're good. Okay, so who was Peter? What do we know about Peter? He was one of the disciples. He's a little impulsive. Yep, what else do we know about Peter? He did preach at Pentecost. That's after the resurrection, after the little cutting off of the ear incident. He denied Jesus. Yep. Anything else? He was a fisherman. Y'all are doing good. You're good. You know these things. Okay. So Peter was one of the disciples. But not just that. He was one of Jesus' inner circle. He was one of the three that went with Jesus everywhere. He went up on the mountain with Jesus for the transfiguration when, you know, Jesus was shining with glory and God was speaking from heaven. He was there for that super intimate moment that not all the other disciples were, but he was there. Okay, he is regarded as one of the chief apostles. He, along with Paul, were the primary leaders of the early church post-resurrection. But before all of that, he was just an ordinary fisherman from a small village called Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee. And his story is the one where he and his brother Andrew were walking along the sea one day and Jesus met them on the road and Jesus said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they said, okay. And they went. That was how his relationship with Jesus got started. Okay. Now, Peter had some pretty standout moments that we've named a few of them here, right? He exhibited tremendous faith from the beginning, um, but he was not without fault. His tendency towards speaking rashly and acting impulsively got him in trouble on more than one occasion. He was an ordinary man who made mistakes, and that's one of the reasons why we love him. Because his story is one of this guy who kept on messing up one time after the other, but he always came back, and he always repented, and then he grew, and he changed. And then he would mess up again, just like we do. And then he would be restored, and then he'd grow, and he'd change. So that by the end of his life, he was writing letters like this to encourage believers in other parts of the world. So he was the kind of guy who followed his instincts. He spoke without thinking. He acted without considering the consequences. Sometimes he expressed great faith, like that time he jumped out of the boat to walk on the water. He was also the first disciple to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Others, you know, gave others good answers. But Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And then just a few verses later, when Jesus shared his plans for what was going to happen, that he was going to die and be crucified as a sacrifice, 
Peter was like, no, that cannot happen. What did Jesus say to Peter? He rebuked him. He said, get behind me, Satan. So on the one hand, Peter has great faith. On the other hand, he just says these things sometimes, and you're like, oh, I wish you would have kept your mouth shut. You shouldn't have, because nobody wants Jesus to call them Satan. (laughs) That's not what I'm going for. How about you? Is that your goal? No, nobody wants that. So, um, so that's Peter. He, when the soldiers and the priests came to arrest Jesus, Peter's instinct was to fight. This is, of course, after he fell asleep while Jesus was praying. So he drew his sword. He jumped right into the fray. He cut off that guy's ear. Jesus healed him, so it was okay. And then, you know, one second he's rearing to go and fight, and the next he's saying, no, no, I don't know that guy. Jesus, who, me? No, no, I'm not his follower. And so he messed up in big public ways, and we're still talking about that today. So I don't know about you, but I don't want my mistakes memorialized and being talked about 2,000 years from now. But the good thing about Peter is that his failure is not the end of the story. And after the resurrection, Jesus restored their relationship. He gave him a job to do. He gave him the charge of shepherding the early church. And that's exactly what Peter did from that moment on. On the day of Pentecost, he preached to a crowd of multitudes and thousands were saved. And that is a far cry from, I don't know that guy. Him? No. So Peter became one of the greatest leaders in the early church. He wasn't perfect at all. The Bible is quite clear about that. But he was devoted and he was faithful and he kept on doing the work that Christ gave him to do until the day that he died. Church history tells us that Peter was martyred between 67 and 68 AD. He was also married, and his wife, who traveled with him, was martyred around the same time as was the Apostle Paul. Okay, so that feeds right into the next question. When was 1 Peter written? Scholars estimate that 1 Peter was written sometime between 62 and 64 AD from Rome. Nero was the emperor then. And history is in full agreement that he was office rocker. He was crazy. And it's not just Christian historians who say that. He did some pretty nutty things. Um, He hated the Christians. And in 64 AD, there was a fire in Rome. Most scholars think that Nero himself set the fire. But he pinned it on the Christians, which gave him full reign then to persecute the Christians. And he did things like dip Christians who are still alive, not in tar, crucify them, and then light them up to provide light for his parties. Um, So he would burn people alive just for entertainment's sake. So this is the era that Peter was living in. They think that he wrote this letter shortly before that persecution began, okay? Because if it was as bad as that at the time that he was writing the letter, then it, there would have been mention of it in the letter, okay? So there's no evidence, really, that the persecution that was about to come in Rome was empire-wide, okay? But there is no doubt that the Christians that Peter was writing to were experiencing some kind of trouble for their faith. 
okay? They probably weren't being burned for, to provide light for parties like that was happening in Rome. But locally, they were experiencing difficulties, maybe with their work, with their families, um, socially, because of their faith. So, to whom was it written? The opening verses of 1 Peter tell us that it was written to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion and Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That clears things up, right? Yeah. Those were regions in Asia Minor, which is basically modern-day Turkey. And his audience was a mix of both Jewish and Gentile believers who were relatively new to the faith. And the letter has this tone of encouragement, like he's writing as a spiritual father to these children in the faith to give them the principles that they need to carry on. So in what style was it written? This is another softball question. What, what, what is First Peter? What style is it? A letter. Yay! Yes, my Bible says it right across the title of First Peter. So the letter written from Peter. Um, yes, it's a letter. The fancy Bible name for it is, anyone? Y'all are going to have to speak up. Y'all are making me shout at you. What is it? It's an epistle. Yes. Now, who likes getting snail mail? Anyone? How, when's the last time you got a real letter? Emily loves it and she sends it. So that's, that's saying something. Not everybody does. I love a good letter. When Dennis and I first got together, we, true story, we were friends throughout our entire time at Mississippi State, but we did not start dating until after I graduated. We were both in town that summer. I was interning at First Baptist Church. He was taking summer school, and there was no one else in town. <laughs> That's not why we got together. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. There was no one else there, so we spent a lot of time together. And, um, yeah, we started dating about three weeks before I moved to Texas, which was inconvenient. So we were friends for four years, dated for about three weeks, then I moved to Texas. And then we, our entire dating relationship was long distance. But like in those days, back in 2004, text messages were still a new thing and they cost you 10 cents every time you sent one. So we didn't do much of that. We sent emails back and forth, multiple emails every day. And then about twice a week, I would get a letter. Now, he did not follow the rules because there's no return address here. He was clearly not worried. (laughs) Shocking, right? Molly knows him. Yeah. Um, Clearly not worried about whether or not I actually received it (laughs) because no return address. But when you look at a letter, you know, there's certain elements that are there, right? So this stamp only cost 37 cents, by the way. I'm just saying. So he would send me these letters, and what did I do? What do you think I did when I got one? Did I, like, open it up and read a sentence out of the middle? I'm sure we'll make it till then. We'll have to. (laughs) Doesn't that sound just like my husband? (laughs) Yes, and that's it. Do you think that's what I did? No. What did I do? Come on. Thank you. I read the whole thing. I read it more than once because also roaming charges and like minute restrictions on cell phones. This was the best I had. So this one is actually just a few weeks before we got engaged. So I'm sure that I'm sure we'll make it till then. Like he knew exactly what he was. Anyway, I didn't know that. Retrospect, right? 
So I have this stack of letters from Dennis, and I have kept them because um, they're precious, right? When we receive letters, we read them, and there's something special, especially in this day and age of instant communication where you can just, like, shoot off a text to someone. Well, this letter that Peter wrote to the believers was meant to be read in its entirety. It was carried by messenger from town to town, church to church, and they would gather all the people together and read it in one sitting. That's one of the reasons why your homework asks you to read it all at one time, because that's how it was meant to be heard. It was meant to be taken in its entirety, in its fullness, not just pulling one verse out of it and taking that and then saying, I know what First Peter's all about. No, it's meant to be done the whole time. So you can, when you're doing your reading, you can either open your Bibles and read it. You can listen to it on the Bible app while you're driving in the car. Your kids can listen to it too. Um, you can do it while you're washing dishes. You can listen to it while you're running on the treadmill or walking in your neighborhood or whatever it is that you're doing. Once a week at least, get through the entire letter at one time because that's how Peter intended for it to be understood. So, last question. What are the central themes of the letter? So as you're reading, week by week, more and more of these are going to emerge. You'll start to notice the words that Peter mentions repeatedly, the phrases that keep popping up, and you'll begin to recognize some of these on your own. But so we'll talk more about them in the weeks to come, but here's just a brief look at them. The first one is suffering, both suffering as a believer and the suffering of Christ. The second one is tied to that hope, the hope we have in Christ, despite the suffering we are experiencing in the present. Another theme is our identity as the people of God. Peter wants these brand new believers to know who they are in Christ and what that means for them both in the present and in the future days to come. The sovereignty of God is another big theme in 1 Peter. None of what is happening in the present tense is a surprise to God. He knows what they are facing, and he has given them the hope that they need to make it through. Tied to that, (laughs) that it's not a surprise to God, is that there is someday coming a judgment. The Lord is sovereign, and God will bring justice about someday. So coming judgment. And then the last two are ethical issues, Christian ethics. Since all of these other things are true, what does that mean for our lives? One of them is submission to God and to others. We're going to have one of those fun passages about wives submitting to husbands. Not just wives, though. All the household, servants and masters, all those things. Submitting to the government, authority. That's not hard, is it? Yeah. And then the last one um, is imitation of Christ. When suffering unjustly, especially, believers should follow Christ's example and thus bring glory to God's name.
So that's the major themes of First Peter. Um, we will talk more about those in the weeks to come. Before we close, um, there's just a few housekeeping things I wanted to go over. Um, first is prayer requests. I for sure want to pray for you. If you have things going on, people that need prayer, please share them with us. I have some index cards up here for you to write them down on. You can send me a text message, whatever. Um, And I will print those out and hand them out at our weekly meetings. But because our time is limited, how do I say this? We love to talk. And we could probably spend about 45 minutes on that. But because your time is valuable and we are on a schedule here because, you know, big church starts at six. um, I'm just asking that you send those to me and we will share them with one another um, in other ways. I will hand them out here and email them weekly on Mondays after our Sunday meetings. So along with that, please be on time. That's not a struggle at all, ever, I know. But because our time is limited, um, I want to make the most of it. So usually my plan is to about 4.35 to break y'all up into your groups and to let you go over those discussion questions and talk through it together, help one another in the learning process, and then come back together for group teaching time about 5 o'clock and then um, go through that. So that should give us plenty of time to get through everything as long as we're on time. But if I'm the only one here at 4.30, that's not going to work. So please do your best. The other thing is that regarding the small groups, now they don't require a leader, but someone to guide the discussion would probably be good. And it requires zero outside work. Okay. I'm not asking you to do anything outside of what I've already asked you to do, except to maybe be the one to ask the questions in the group. They're all listed here. I like to just read it. (laughs) So if you would be willing to do that, um, just let me know so I can at least, if not, I'm just going to let y'all figure that out (laughs) as y'all get into your groups. So that's one thing. If you're interested in doing that, let me know. Um, If you have done this before, You know that um, I'm not just wearing this for fun. I record the lessons and then put them on a podcast so that if you happen to miss, you can listen to it later. There are several who do it that way. Um, And so it's one of the blessings of technology, I guess. So I do my best to have the recording uploaded by the next day. Sometime on Monday, I'll send y'all an email and it will have a link to the podcast and the list of prayer requests in it. So I think I have all of your email addresses, so you should be good to go on that. And then the last thing is that we also have a Facebook group. You know, I'm all about hitting you multiple ways with communication. So I'm sorry if that's annoying. (laughs) But if you are like me, and I'm assuming that you are, sometimes it takes seeing it two or three times for it to sink in. I'm not the only one, am I? Anyone else? Okay, so I'm going to send you a text message. I'm going to put it on Facebook, and I'm going to send you an email, and I hope that you see one of them, okay? If you see all of them, don't get annoyed. Just, you know, go with it. Um, and that is just because I, I want you to know what's going on, and I do want us to, um, you know, become a group. So I will share the prayer request and everything with you that way. And I think that's all I've got as far as housekeeping is concerned. Do you all have any questions 
I have now been talking forever. Okay. Well, I will pray to close us out. If you have any prayer requests that you want shared with the group tomorrow, just take a minute, grab one of these index cards or talk to me about it, and I will get that out to the group so we can all be praying for each other. Because also, a lot of times when we mention things in groups like this, we forget to pray for it as the week goes on. So I'm hoping that by having it in email form and paper, it'll remind us to pray for one another. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll head out. Father, I just come before you tonight so thankful and grateful for each one of the ladies in this room. God, I pray that you would use this time that we have to help us draw near to you. God, that you would give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to understand your word. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would know you more deeply than we did before, God, and that you would begin to work in each of our hearts, Lord, to draw us near to you so that you can change us from the inside out and that we may become the people that you have created us to be. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.